Hello, you BEA beautiful people. Thank you again for listening to the Majoring in the Minors podcast, a podcast where we discuss how the majority of people focus on the minor things in life. Your humble hosts, as usual, Mahi and Louis. Today's guest is the most charismatic, hypnotic, and humble person out there. I like to call him the Iron Buddha. And James, if you're listening to this, yes, I went there. And that's because he has the calm of a thousand monks and the ferocity of a thousand more lions. For those of you who don't know him, uh, we are talking about, obviously, James Thayer. He is the owner of Byproduct Performance, uh, Master Trainer, Ace Fitness, Lab Coach at Prescript, and he's all into training logs and dogs. And obviously, we have to give a big shout out to the Blue Suited Gentleman, his pops. Check him out, hashtag Blue Suited Gentleman on Instagram. You will love those pictures. We discussed training in the digital era, the importance of mental health, and how important it is for training, and also why it's important to connect with clients and understand their needs. Without further ado, let's get into it. Because now, obviously, because of the whole pandemic and everything else, uh, training, remote training has become the thing, right? And uh, I'll, everyone likes to talk about the differences or like how different it is from training per- people in person. But I actually wanted to talk about like the similarities of between like training people online or training them in person. So I think with, with it going to a greater focus of an online space, because with um, online training, it's always been an option. And it's always been a thing. It's it's kind of the same thing with Zoom calls. Like it's always been available. We've just never focused on it to this extent because it was always an option and it's a lot more comfortable just to operate in person or most of um, most trainers main hub is through a gym. And like that is where their interaction, that's where they're trained, their clients come in and that's where they train at. So now kind of being forced into a more online space, I think it's, it's really shifted the dynamic. And like you mentioned before, like a lot of people will talk about how it's harder, how it's different or all these things, but by the same, the same coin, like there is a lot of advantage to it. Um, First off, just the ability to create outreach and exposure for yourself to be able to generate clients or bring in clients double-edged sword because there is potential for it but it's not guaranteed that going into the online space you're basically jumping into the ocean and everyone else is in the ocean and it's vast and trying to uh, find your little corner of it to be able to bring uh, bring clients in and be able to train them that way so some of the similarities that we can look at or some of the great things about training online outside of the exposure, I think, I think training online helps make people a better coach if they have the experience of training in person. Um, I think a lot of, you know, we'll see a lot of trainers that want to go online first and never really have the experience of getting those mental and verbal reps in a gym or directly talking to somebody because there's something to be said about having the ability to point to somebody to have them alter their position or physically go and move somebody and put somebody in position 
where we've always had that luxury in person and now going online, I think taking the right approach or if it's thought, if it's thought about in a way of using it to prepare those reps or get better at those reps of communication and um, cueing and getting somebody to complete the same task with while losing the ability to physically position them or physically be there, that it creates an opportunity for coaches, in my opinion, to get better at that craft um, and really practice those reps. But on the same token, it can really expose coaches that are limited in that or have never trained somebody online because it's very, very easy to just make a list of exercise and give it to somebody. I mean, that's kind of what social media is notorious for is here's this one program that fits all and kind of filters people through that. Whereas trying to train individuals and make individualized programs, it can be difficult in the online space because again, now you're limited in your interaction, but, but you can see it as now something that you have to work against or something that you can use to your advantage. And so using it to your advantage, you now have to coach the person better to help you be a better coach. So it's getting a lot more, um, more in-depth with how you're explaining things, um, looking at quicker cues, looking at ways to um, get feedback from them, not just through a note section, but possibly through your programming or um, the questions that you're asking, you might need to relook at to lead them into answers that that you might not directly ask them or they might not directly know. So as a coach trying to prepare those questions and trying to understand your client better to get them to be successful in the way they're answering it. So I think it's a lot more on the coach to coach the person. Um, I mean, even if we look at uh, if you're having your client send you videos, you have to coach the client on angles. Like that, that's not something that in, in the gym you ever have to worry about because it's as easy as, okay, I'm on this side. I'm just going to walk around over here. But now we're having to look at, okay, positioning your screen. Where, where do I need to, um, what different angles do I need to see to make sure um, you're executing the exercise properly? Or or um, depending on the depending on the exercise, depending on the rep sets, um, looking at okay, if it's let's say if it's five or six, you might want set one, three, and five. Or if it's um, if you've worked with the client, hey, maybe just set one and set five, and I'm now I'm looking for fatigue differences um, and how that's playing out into any uh, compensation patterns and how to better cue those. So. Yeah, it goes back to... Man, that was amazing. Um, it's kind of like, if I want to bring all of that together, is like learning as a coach how to ask the right questions, right? Because if we get in the right angle on it, like people might not think it. And I agree with that. Like I've seen it many times when coaches just send a program and that's it and then they're done. Like programming is not... Like coaching is not just numbers and sets and reps. Uh, even thinking about what angle they should film it for you. So like, what are you looking for? I love the thing that you said about sets, like, you know, looking at number, set one and five and the differences and fatigue and everything else. And I think people, again, social media might not 
tell people about this. And as you said, it, it, these are the reps and like, you know, these are the badges that you earn doing work in person and on the gym floor. And then you just kind of have to transfer it and translate it into the online business. No, absolutely. I mean, like there's levels to this game and it's not always, it's not always highlighted or it's not only always known to general public or clients entering the space that it depends on their history and their background in relation to training and working with clients and everything, but they might think they might come into a space thinking all things are level and all things are even, and they rarely are. If, if we kind of look down into a filter system, like just putting out a general program, or if we want to reduce that back, even like just putting out a general workout, that's very, very easy. Like it, it takes no talent, no effort to make a workout. Anybody can literally do that. Where the skill of training and the creativity comes into actually creating a program, not just several days of workouts, but an actual program based on progression and based on the individual's needs. And then throw in the whole different element of coaching because coaching is a skill set in itself and it takes um, creativity, creativity in itself to be able to adapt to your clients. And so like we're looking at these levels of is, is this a cookie cutter program and it's just an entry level for anybody to come into? Is it actual programming? And from that programming even, are you getting a coach? Because each of those can happen in isolation and independence. And the coaching element really comes down to communication. Do you have somebody that can effectively communicate what they're trying to get you to do or the the skills, ability, the performance that they're wanting out of you and helping you get the results to reach your goal. Because ultimately that's, at the end of the day, that that's what we're looking at is your ability to get somebody results. Like that, that is where the line in the sand is drawn. If you are a coach or not, is this person getting the results that they came to you for? Man, <laughs> I'm gonna let uh, Louis anything because I'm actually taking notes now. I know it's like we're, I'm listening to Taylor and like, I just love everything you say. So I'm going to like, I always learn so much. So I'm even taking notes for myself. And I feel like talking to people who have been in the business and like, you know, they've done those mental reps. You can really learn a lot from them. And like, you know, just, just get them to show you the way. Don't like, instead of me trying to figure this out and it takes me like, how, how long have you been in this business for? Um, I've been, let's see, probably in the fitness space for eight years now. Um, been like, as far as tied to fitness and athletics or like the weight room, I think the, it was 11 or 12, the first time I probably had a barbell in my hand and started working out and it's just continued since then. But, uh, like the huge driver for that was was there was the tie-in of sports. Um, mm -hmm. it's, it's always interesting. I like understanding and learning people, people's motivation to enter into the fitness space and if that's evolved or changed from the time that they entered to where they currently are. And there's not a right or wrong to it, but, but it's something that I think about often and I try to be mindful of clients because 
I came into the space a little bit differently the more that I learn, especially talking to uh, males, is I didn't I didn't come into fitness based on um, like an aesthetic driver or like you'll hear a lot of a lot of stories and it's pretty common people coming in because they they want to grow muscle they you know there's some insecurities around um, body shape or body composition that they're trying to improve upon and that that just wasn't my introduction to it my introduction was solely based on sports and my understanding up until I was out of uh, competition was that you lift weights because it makes you better at sports. And so that was always the driver and, and there was never really consideration for anything outside of it. Um, so, you know, once I transitioned out of, um, out of competition, I, I started understanding that, that, that each person comes from a different space and understanding their first introduction to fitness, but also where their current state is, can be very beneficial because a lot of times that'll, that'll be some of the driving factors behind what their motivations are and some of the things that we need to address, um, not just through exercise, but um, through our communication skills and through whatever psychological barriers or um, or limitations they might have whenever it comes to it that you know you might there's a lot to unpack with clients and as trainers we always have to understand that and be mindful of that in our approach that um, the person's previous exercise history could be a huge factor and so understanding that element of your client and being able to work around that or work through that with them that there might be a fear base there might be previously bad experiences that you all need that you need to be made aware of to help your client get past some of those or improve upon some of those and have a better experience um, not just with you as a trainer but with a better relationship with fitness in itself and hopefully that tying back into um, some self-confidence and self-improvement. But yeah, that's what I was getting at as well is the fact that even like I can learn so much from you and it's just that idea of even if you, you said you've been here, like you've been in this for eight years, but before that you've done, you know, you've been doing sports pretty much most of your life and all those mental reps that you've done, I can use that, uh, and learn from your experience and it'll help me grow as well as a coach. And that's, that's where I was going with, I'm taking notes as you're talking. I'm just like, I'm like, Oh yeah, this is a good idea. Like, uh, honestly, I hadn't thought of the, uh, the, the angle of the videos I had thought of, but like, you know, which I wasn't very strict with which sets, uh, they're sending me. It was just like, you know, I always want pretty much wanted the good set. Now, a little bit going outside of that. I was, very curious to ask you because you know learning about our clients uh, is quite important but i wanted to ask you uh what type of client would be your ideal client like what type, or you know what type of client you would really connect with yeah um so for me kind of the space that i work in i i really like the education part of it um 
So I found more and more through different experiences and working with different clients and or working with different clients, working with different companies, um, presenting at different organizations um, that if I had an ideal client, it honestly would be trainers. Like I really enjoy working with trainers because, because there's, we're able to go levels deep because as, as a trainer, your client's never going to care about the programming as much as you. And so whenever we work directly with trainers, there's that passion and that, that interest to learn and develop that we can tap into where you might find that a little bit with your clients across multiple mediums, whether it's gin pop, whether it's athletes, whether it's, you know, youth, whether it's um, seniors that we might tap into that a little bit, but working with trainers, there's, that is at the core basis of, of that experience and being able to train with some, or being able to train with a trainer or train the trainer is they're ready and willing to go levels deep. And so I think that's fantastic as, as somebody also in the space, because it challenges you to, to not only be able to explain it at a surface level, but be able to explain it to a trainer and be able to um, be able to answer their questions, which are probably going to be more robust and and a little bit more specific to who they're working with or um, what they're interested in. And so, I like the challenge of of having trainers as clients, because um, like we've talked about throughout this conversation, like it's mental reps, like it's, it's getting asked those difficult questions or getting asked questions that you've never considered and having to work around that and really work through that, um, that conversation for yourself, where you might not get that as much with a gin pop client. And that's completely fine. Like, I have nothing against working with gym pop clients or athletes or um, multiple mediums, but I think just where my, my career has taken me and um, where my interests lie is training trainers. And, and, you know, kind of going off of what you mentioned just a little bit ago, I think, I think there's a lot of value in trainers that have spent time in the space being able to provide a service of accelerating a path and um, and saving people time in the space of you know having to go through trials and tribulations that we have the opportunity to kind of expedite their learning curve hopefully faster than ours. I know with with mine, I mean I'm I'm in uh, the United States and in Kansas, it's almost central to the United States and we don't have a booming fitness population here. I mean, it's, it's not on the fitness industry mark of people coming to, to Kansas to um, be influencers or, you know, we don't have the, um, like the, a world renowned gym or anything like that. So, so in, in kind of my career, my path, it was always exploring. It was always trying to get that exposure. It was, is trying to learn from 
um, as many people as I could. It was trying to take as many opportunities as I could. I would always be um, be open to going to presentations. And if I liked the presenter, I would stand in the back of the line and doesn't matter if it took an hour that um, like I'd wait, wait in the back of the line to have a conversation with that person and create those networks and um, just those learning experiences where if we're training client or training trainers, I think we have that opportunity and we, um, we almost have that obligation to try to help expedite um, their path into the industry and kind of hopefully cut out some of the bullshit that we'll run into in the fitness space. Um, yeah, I, I know like you were, uh, we were talking about a little bit, like you, you going through um, and working with uh, Killian, how that's been very helpful. And, you know, it's, it's just a different perspective that it allows exposure to things outside of your consideration. And not only are you getting your experience, but now you're getting their shared experience to help influence and educate and elevate um, you as a trainer. So anytime we have those opportunities or we can, we can provide that as trainers to trainers, I, that's kind of where my passion is or where to bring it all back where my preferred client would be because again, there's, there's that interest and mutual passion in the depths of um, knowledge that we can go and the challenge that it creates um, just through wanting to, wanting to learn. And I'm gonna I, honestly, I promise I will give Lewis to ask his questions, but I just have one more, uh, like kind of relates to what you were saying, so I want to bring it up. And I think, um, because you started working with Prescript now recently as well, so that, would that be another progression in the path that you're you were talking about that you've taken of like coaching uh, or training uh, coaches and like you know, helping them? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's um, one of the um. It's been a huge opportunity so far to start working with Prescript and um, getting involved in the labs. Um, I think like like you were getting at, that's, that's the exact reason is it's the ability to create, create exposure and discussion for, um, for trainers. And what I've really liked about, what I've really liked about Prescript is it's created this community that, um, that allows for dialogue. It allows for direct application. And it's not, it's not just somebody speaking from the mountaintop and everybody standing around listening and just going forth and doing exactly that. It's, it's asking questions. It's, it's looking at different perspectives. It's, um, it's creating that dialogue and that community that if, if we now look at just our ability to connect and our ability to discuss. I mean, we have, we have the Sunday conversations. It's, it's led to this conversation and even, um, so yeah, for me, it's, it's been a, another step and another progression into, um, the fitness industry that I'm very thankful for the opportunity. Um, and just, um, for myself, like it's, I'm still learning along the way that, that having these discussions, it's mental reps for me as well. Um, I don't go on any podcasts or any calls and um, not have takeaways, whether it's, it's takeaways from the clients being asked or how I'm answering those questions. Um, 
or just thinking about um, the the different situations that clients or that trainers run into and how they're best applying it. Um, I really enjoy the challenge and really enjoy getting that opportunity just to to be part of that team. Um, it also helps that uh, I'm probably one of the dumber ones on that team. So more than happy to try to surround myself with um, people that are just mastering class or mastering their crafts. Okay, I, I'm going to give the floor to Louis because I do have other stuff that I want to say, but like I'm just going to let him say something. Wow. He's been very quiet. Wow, Mahan, I've never seen him this excited since the episode we had with Killian. He's, he's never been this excited for an episode. So uh, going into COVID, um, mental health is a big issue. Um, in your programming in general, do you account for mental health with the way you train or is that not really relevant, you know? Yeah, I think it's, that's a fantastic question. And I think it's always going to be relevant. So as far as um, my approach to it, it's more so through conversation and discussion and adaptation from that. I don't necessarily have a like prerequisite thing or like a checkoff box of, is your mental health good today or anything like that? It's definitely something to be aware of, but, but more so my approach to it is, is through that conversational piece of, okay, how, like, what's going on today? What's going on in the week? Is it, is it a high stress week? Did you just work 12 hours and now we're trying to get to the gym? Um, or are you having a fantastic week? I have a, I have a little saying that I like to use. It's um, walk when you must, sprint when you can. And I think, I think that philosophy has a great tie-in to um, a mental health approach whenever we're looking at programming for clients is we're going to have good days and we're going to have bad days. Um, the expectation should never be that it's going to be all good days. And so, so look for ourselves as coaches and trainers having the flexibility of your program to be able to adapt based on your client that depending on the goals depending on if there's a performance based goal or a set date that we have to drive to and we really have to push some things and just recognize what's a must in this at this point and what where do we have an ability to pull back on um, to get the person to the finish line or is it somebody training for more general goals that we can adapt a little bit and we don't have to be so linear in our progressions um, that are so linear in our progressions that, that we can't step away from the programming that we would like to see, but putting the client first and recognizing, recognizing the signs of where they are in their mental state and when we need to adapt. Um, so yeah, it's, Kind of going back to it, I, I don't have a set checkbox or fill in the blank, but I try to be aware through the conversations um, that I have with my clients of, of how the week's going, how stressful is it, um, how did things feel, using some of those totals to see if there's a, a drop off um, in their performance or in their abilities, and knowing, knowing when to adapt um, adapt stimulus and kind of kind of take into account where their stress levels are. Um, for some clients, uh, the gym is going to be 
the gym is going to be, um, you know, their, their home or their escape from all the outside stressors to some clients, it's going to add stress. Um, through all means, there's going to be a physical stress that, that we're creating um, through just exercising and working out that we need to be mindful of. And um, we can kind of take steps around that as far as conversations of sleep, nutrition, um, recovery, and um, our, our rest days in betweens that all, or between that all does need to be, um, need to be considerations. But, but yeah, I think uh, mental health is, is going to be a huge factor. And if, if you're not addressing that as a coach or as a trainer, you're, you're limiting your client's ability to, to be able to progress long-term and you're, you're missing one of the largest pillars that's going to feed into their success in your programming and in your training. Um, so yeah, it, for me, at least it, it really comes down to just, just communicating and learning about the, like learning about the client um, and really knowing their personality, trying to understand when we have those opportunities to really sprint and take our good days and take advantage of those. And whenever it's, um, whenever it's more of those walking days and we need to go a little bit slower that we can always pull back on some of the programming for, again, for some clients, just showing up to the gym is going to be a win that day. And so if, you know, if we need to, if we need to use that as, as more so like a mental health day, it's not too hard to adapt a, what's supposed to be a program day into more of like an active recovery or a movement day, or just focus on, focus on some of the, um, the mechanics that we're trying to influence through the workout, but reducing load, reducing intensity, um, and being mindful of their state to try to, for one, not make it worse by <laughs> adding stress and adding fatigue, um, but also being mindful of, hey, let's get a success today. Let's make, like if showing up to the gym that day is the success, okay, let's adapt and, and make sure that we're successful in this and not, not putting them in a situation where they're gonna fail on days like that. But by that same note, whenever we can recognize good days, okay, let's, let's take the opportunity, not running your client in the ground, but hey, if this last set, if you wanna do a, a buy up and wait, or this last set, let's, let's do a and wrap and just send it. Um, still focusing on uh, technical failure, um, cutting it there and not uh, total failure, but, but yeah, it's, it's gonna, it's gonna be one of the base pillars that we have to be mindful of with our programming. And like you mentioned, in the times of COVID lockdowns, restrictions that I think it's, I think it has taken a greater toll on people or at least exposed to a lot of people, the social dynamic that we as a species need. And so having that exposure of not being able to go to the gym, which might've been their escape or 
not having the ability to just um, in person directly interact with people um, is always something that that we need to have in our thought process in our approach of how we're programming and how we're adapting that program to the client based on how they're doing from a a day-to-day to to week-to-week to to month um, in making making note of that um, so we can we can hopefully even improve on that we can always can always use mental health in a large you know, a large general term, but we can always look at like how to, how we're progressing that and how we're addressing it similar to like trying to build, um, build confidence in somebody going to the gym. Um, I, I don't think they're too far off that, that it's, it's just another aspect um, and dynamic of um, the human condition that, that we need to have conversations about and we need to try to understand our clients well enough to recognize um, when it is in a, when it is in a um, more stressed state or a deteriorated state that we need to find those successes and try to build back into um, just a, a level state or even a, um, not necessarily an advanced state, but an improved state, I guess. And um, since, you know, this all, everything you said points to the importance of emotional intelligence. Um, When you, as a coach, when you're training other coaches, is that something that you kind of imbue into coaches? Like, do you, do you go into like lengthy conversations about that? Or do you think that's something that you, as people who are mastering your crafts, that you should be adding that to other coaches as well? Because especially nowadays with COVID, do you think that's something uh, sort of courses should uh, add into their content? Do you see that yeah, happening, I, I mean? Um, sorry, were you done? Didn't mean to cut you off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, it's yeah. No. Okay, um, yeah, I think, I think they like ultimately what it should come down to is there, whether it's a, a textbook, whether it's a program or something like that, like there always needs to be an element of building rapport with clients. Like if, if I were to make a, like if I had a course or I guess I do for our trainers, I teach an in-house course for them. And so one of the very first days we talk about building rapport with clients because, because ultimately like that will be one of the largest dictators of you being a successful coach and client is if you can build rapport with with clients it's in with within building rapport that's just um developing relationships with clients and so within that that's kind of where i would put the communication aspect where i would put the mental health aspect the understanding who your client is as an individual and as a person and everything that goes into that dynamic of of what their life is what their stressors are what their goals are their hopes their dreams their support systems I think that's that's such a big factor in just our ability to our ability to be successful as a trainer with our clients is actually understanding the client 
Um, that's the whole, that's the whole aspect of personal training is personalizing your training to the individual. And so, so yeah, I think any course or book that doesn't hit on that or really carry over the importance of it is, is missing a huge opportunity to, to create value in their trainers. And so, so me working with trainers, um, I'll definitely hit on that and um, have that discussion, but the depths at which we go is going to be dependent on, on the needs of the trainer and, and the understanding of the trainer, um, because them in themselves or in their different stages, there has to be, there has to be a certain ability to, to self-reflect, um, to understand their own human dynamic or their own their own headspace for them to be able to try to understand others and so so you know for some trainers that might be a starting point is like hey here's what i'm seeing about you like let me expose you to some of these things and reflect back on me and the conversation might have to start there whereas through conversations if if the person um, like really has that understanding and really has that ability, that I think that opens the door to, to the communication, rapport building, mental health aspect with clients. But it starts, it starts with the self and kind of builds out from there to, to better sympathize and empathize with your clients. You have to first sympathize or I guess empathize with yourself um so yes it's kind of long-winded answer for I think it's very important and and something that I do try to address but the the depth that we address it I try to individualize it to the trainer and meet them where they are to help them elevate from that point and um and start a conversation not just between us but with their own clients. Um, one thing I'll do with some of my clients is um, I've started having them take the uh, Enneagram uh, personality test. And, and so like, again, it's just like one of the, one of the larger personality tests, but you know, there's tons and tons of personality tests out there. So it's, it's more so just, I like I kind of like the conversation that's created by it and how how that specific personality test sets it up in numbers and kind of creates a discussion not only around that person, but also has positive traits, negative traits, and interactions between different numbers. And the big thing with introducing that is it creates a starting conversation of do you agree with this? Um, because I don't think, I think where trainers or coaches can get lost in the weeds is now they're putting a label to their client of, I'm using this personality test to define you. This is what you are. Where our personality, um, the assessments of our personality traits can change with major events or um, different changes in perspective, uh, different career changes, different um family situations like it's personality is going to be dynamic and where we fall within the the scaled 
numbers that are applied through these tests is kind of arbitrary. And so it's less so about you're defined as this thing or this number or this personality type. And it more so garners a conversation of you've read through this. Now we have similar verbiage and similar understanding of what this is. Do you agree with it? If you agree with it, perfect. We can kind of use this a little bit of a template to help and build our communication. Um, if you disagree with it, okay, perfect. Why do you disagree with it? And that in itself creates the conversation and hopefully better understanding of, well, I don't agree with these traits or like, I don't do this, I don't do this. Um, so yeah, the, the introduction of that, I think for me at least, it just helps helps put us on a same um, verbiage or spoken language of understanding because I've read through whatever their score, their number was, or their type, they've read through it. And now we can start with that as a communication where just trying to develop that from scratch or out of nothing, some clients are going to do very, very well with it where, again, they're, they have some understanding of their self and they can speak from that where others might not or others might not be the most communicative or like more of a shy type where if we can kind of front load a system of communication to um, to start that dynamic, I think it it expedites that process a little bit. And so I've, I've found some benefit from um, incorporating that. Again, I don't think it's the end all be all. I don't think all trainers and coaches need to introduce it. It's just for me in my process, it's been beneficial, but also beneficial in an understanding that I'm using this for communication and verbiage and not to define you as a client that this is your personality test or this is your personality type and you're set in this and I'm just gonna operate based on these written words and not what you're telling me or how you're interpreting things as a, as a client. Right, so, uh, well, I love that. I love uh, So Mahan, yeah. one more question and I'll throw it to you and because I know you're itching for it. Um, so since, you know, taking it back to actually the beginning when Mahan, uh, you know, brought this up, since a lot of trainers are going to be going, like a lot of the, you know, due to the COVID, a lot of new trainers are going to start online. What's your kind of template or advice for these up and comers to be able to build their business online, having not been able to actually start out at a gym without yeah. those benefits? So for newer trainers, um, I think one thing is don't try to be everything. Um, a lot of new trainers, you know, that, that them going into the online space, it's through a medium of social media. Like that, that's their introduction to fitness, whether it's Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, probably not Facebook with newer trainers anymore, honestly, but um, you know, whatever their introduction is that it's through an online space. And so like trying to, trying to figure out what type of trainer they are and what type of trainer they want to be, whatever their experience is um, and kind of building from there that, Hey, if, if you have only done body weight exercise and like that's where you found a home and like home gym train or like home training where you don't have a squat rack, you don't have a barbell, that's completely okay. The expectation shouldn't be that 
you have to be a power lifter when you've never power lifted. It's wherever your starting point, wherever your focus has been in your own self-development, that's going to be your best understanding. So start there, like start small and allow yourself time and patience to be able to evolve and develop that you don't have to be defined by wherever you start. I think a lot of people try to, they try to be everything right off the get-go and they never build the foundations of any of those mediums or any of those approaches. And so they never truly understand it. And so they're speaking from a space of lack of experience or limited exposure. And, and with that, you're, you're just going to get lost to people of better understanding. You're, you're not doing yourself a service trying to trying to provide services for everything whenever you don't have the answers for most things in um, in those different mediums. Um, so yeah, again, as a, as a newer trainer coming into the online space, figure out what you're good at and start there. If, if it's bodyweight exercise, if it's kettlebells, if it's um, barbell movements, start from a niche and understand that niche, go a mile deep in your understanding of that before you start expanding into other mediums and before before you're addressing those mediums or trying to take on clients from those mediums or push your clients into those mediums you really need to spend time as a as a trainer developing your skills and your understanding to be successful in that introduction of of whatever it is for your clients. Um, the other thing I would say is, um, Mahan, I think we've talked about this before and it's a quote from Joe DeFranco, but be a hometown hero. Um, so even if you don't have the opportunity to meet in person or get those reps in the gym floor in your hometown or a local space, there's still opportunity to reach out to that local community. And it doesn't have to necessarily be a physical location, but it can be, it can be your, like your hometown in a sense of like your social group of your family, your friends, like you can always start from that point that it doesn't, we don't have to go out to the vastness of the interwebs and try to get a client from across the world that, you know, we've, we've never interacted with, or we don't understand that person. Like start small and build from there that if people people were more comfortable with owning a niche and giving themselves the opportunity to expand and build from that niche i think i think it would assist the fitness space in people speaking from some authority or some understanding because they've given themselves the time of that understanding but also that they're able to speak from a more robust, fuller perspective um, than just speaking how half truths or half understanding of things. Um, so yeah, that, that's probably the, the two starting points I would say to somebody is whatever your interest is, where, wherever your background is and your understanding in a fitness space, um, trying to expand that into online, start there. Like it, it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be the most refined thing, but 
just understand it's not going to be the most refined thing and approach it as such of that there's there's that opportunity for continued education and as trainers we should always push towards that and continue to um, expand our knowledge base and expand our understanding of our craft but start smaller and find that niche because once you have that niche you again don't have to be defined by it you can always start expanding it but you're you're creating a you're creating a space where you're comfortable in and you can get people results from that space before you start expanding or you start developing into um into other um other types of training or or um you know different different type of clients that that again i think we just we get lost so quickly whenever we're at younger stages of coaching and training because because we have that exposure on social media that it it does seem so vast and you have at at the swipe of your phone you can see 20 different training approaches 20 different um, people doing different programming or different, um, different exercises, different exercises. And I guess, um, kind of thing I always refer to is, um, having lenses that newer trainers are going to be limited in the lenses that they can, um, look through. I kind of compare it to like, if you go to the eye doctor and they have better A, better B and just hundreds of lenses to better help your vision, that a younger, newer trainer is limited in the lenses that they can peer through to get the best vision or best approach. And so if we're working with two lenses, okay, let's, let's not try to pretend that we have 20 other lenses that we can try to adapt in, in um, program from. If we have one, let's be good at that one before adding two um, and just being comfortable with whatever my one lens is, I'm going to go a mile deep in that. I'm going to make it the best, clearest vision that it can be. And then I'm going to look at, okay, how can I start adding aspects to create multiple lenses or like multiple tools in your tool bag um, to get the best results for clients? If, you know, if your tool bag is a hammer, all right, we're going to nail things. Like that's, that's what we're good at. That's what we're going forward with. And it's only until until we add that next tool that we can better refine the projects in which we're able to develop or that we're able to create. Fantastic question though. Awesome. So basically in some nation, stay in your lane until you get better and then move. Absolutely. Uh, yep. Saving all so. the air and refining my uh, <laughs> long-winded answers. But yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, so Mahan's been itching for it. So go yeah. for it, Mahan. Ask well, away. The reason I've been itching for it is, first of all, I wanted to say, going back to what you said earlier, the reason I'm excited is because I don't need to just deal with you and actually have someone that I can learn from. That's why I'm excited. And uh, one thing to just like kind of add on to that, uh, what you guys said is, uh, I always say I, lo I love to be the dumbest person in the room because that means I have so much potential to learn more. So I think newer PTs, I should always look to learn from like, you know, pinpoint mentors or like you know, people who 
are in your lane and they're good and try to learn from them as much as you can because the moment you're the smartest person in the room you're not growing um so yeah like get good at the tools that you use but also maybe keep looking for other tools as well uh, like or expand your tool set i'm not good with these analogies but uh going back to one thing that i want to discuss and i know lewis is um fond of this as well uh, when we talked about like, you know, building rapport with your clients um, and like, you know, just, just building that relationship. One thing that we've noticed is like the, these parallels between programming and training with people and real life. I just can't help myself. Like every time I'm making decisions on my daily life, I just do these comparisons. I'm like, oh, well, if I was like pro, you know, how we said, like if I want to progress then I have these. Uh, parameters that I want to meet and I'm going to do this so just drawing that parallels between training or pro for yourself or programming for yourself and other people with real life um, and I just want to get your two cents on like how much of your ideology from training people uh, kind of goes into your everyday life as well and like how much does it affect it um I mean, probably, probably a lot. Like, I think, I think rarely do we, do we as people operate in, in isolation as far as like our personality traits being, being isolated to like certain dynamics of our life. Like, I don't think we're great at separating out work from clients from, even go into the grocery store. I mean, there, there's going to be levels to it um, where maybe we're more of something or less of something given the situation. But, but I think there's, there's value in the saying, how you do one thing is how you do everything. Um, and so as far as like my approach or philosophy to, from daily life to like training clients, I, I think I, I would like to think that like it stays pretty even keel across the board. Um, but that I say that from an understanding of, I know, like, I know who I am and um, I try to carry that across all interactions. Um, and just, I just have that approach of like, an acceptance of who I am and um, in the way that I try to interact with people or the try the way I try to communicate with people or just go about um, go about life in general. It's with that understanding and with that that expectation of myself and try to carry that into no matter or carry that into any situation. Um, in life we we can't control the variables and circumstances that happen upon us, but we can control the way that we respond to them. And so that's where I try to focus is my response to stimulus or my response to situations, because I think that's, that's the only, only place where we can really, we can create an outcome that, that we want or that we can make an impact on. I don't know if I'm answering your question or not. I might no. be, I might've taken it a diff, completely different route, but 
but yeah, I try to, I think there might be variations of, of self through different interactions where like some conversations is going to be more in depth um, and longer durations um, and some it's going to be shorter. I, I think there should be a recognition for all of us of, um, of through any, through any social interactions, whether that's a one-on-one -on -one setting or like a group setting that there is an energy cost to it. And so if we understand kind of where our, our battery is in that interaction, um, we can better mitigate um, useless expenditure of it. Uh, it's probably not the, the politest way to put it, but um, we can better refine how, where we put our time and energy if we, we understand what recharges our battery and what drains our battery. And a lot of people, a lot of people don't necessarily consider that. Like we've all probably had clients that, that it's always, you're always getting into the conversations of like, they're always so stressed. There's, there's always this going on or always that going on, or like they're, they're taking on everyone else's problems. And so again, I think it can facilitate the conversation of is this like, where are you recharging your battery to be able, if you're going to continue to take on these endeavors of absorbing everybody else's issues or, you know, letting everybody else drain your battery, where is it being recharged? And if that recharge isn't enough, okay, where do we need to start limiting these energy leakages to better address your mental health or better address your mental state so you're not always wore down and you can be better for the, the people that you are wanting to put your time and energy in. Um, so yeah, that, that recognition of um, social interaction, I think is very important for individuals and for us as coaches of, of knowing that like at the, at the end of the day, time and energy are a commodity. And if, if we're not taking note of how we're spending that time and energy or where we're putting that time and energy um, to help us better, um, better refresh our battery, that, that we're missing a key element of us being successful because we're always on low battery, we're always allowing ourselves to be reduced because we're taking on everyone else's problem without a potential outlet. That for me, it's like, yeah, I, I see that in like the, what I meant by the question as well. It was like, I see these parallels of a lot of the decisions I make in life are kind of guided by this ideology that I have with programming. Like, you know, junk volume, for example, like in, in life, I see people do so much, so much of something and they overdo it and it's just like you know they're not recovering from it mentally health like you know or physically or anything or if they have goals they just keep smacking their heads against the wall and they're just not getting this, the results and that's what makes me like kind of look at life through this lens of what i've learned with programming of like trying to figure out what like you know minimum dose of what works and trying to control the variables and that's the conversation we had with lewis as well so like yeah Everything you said. Yeah, so 
So, so actually, James, because you were talking about this, what's your daily approach to programming for life? Like, how do you set up personally to have a successful day to get those wins? Like, how, how are you so successful, basically? And before you answer that, this is why we have Lewis on this podcast is to ask these questions. Like when I just go on and say something totally random, he asks the good questions. So, yeah. Just Lewis out here asking the best questions. Right. Um, <laughs> So like, I I don't necessarily prescribe to like needing needing the set daily routine or like a morning routine where like that can be very popular and it is very helpful for some people. Um, I think there is something to be said about some people need to start the day off with success, and I think that was one of one of the big things around like meditation in the morning or like making your bed like providing some time to be successful and if if you're somebody that you see benefit from that and it help in it has a positive influence that's fantastic um for me um it's a little bit more unscripted um i don't necessarily have like i have to do this this and this before i even start my day it's it kind of fluctuates depending on, depending on the previous day, depending on what I have going on. I mean, um, I guess the most basic routine would be like getting, uh, taking a shower, brushing my teeth, getting dressed for the day and everything like that. But, but more so like if I'm looking at or I'm considering like, how, how do I go about the day trying to, trying to take advantage of making it a successful day or like not letting, not letting the day dictate me, but um, to the best of my ability, use, use my attitude or my perspective to make it a good day. Um, Think uh, one aspect, like being mindful of, of the things that, you can be that you um, are grateful for. Um, so like I, I have two dogs that I wake up every day with. Um, and like I've I've had my oldest one since I was 20. And so like, you know, I've, I've slept in my bed almost every single day with this dog for the past decade. Um, and then my younger one, it's I've had him for seven years going on eight. Um, so like that, that's one way to kind of bring back in the previous conversation. Like that's one way I recharge my battery is like, I have my dogs like that, that gives me purpose or recharge that it's, it's providing um, something for someone or something other than yourself with no expectation of anything in return. Um, That aspect very, very much helps me start my day and end my day because it's with them. Um, As far as like transitioning into daily life outside of um, just my house and just my bed, um, I think, think trying to like, trying to approach it with the day with a like positive attitude or at least being open to the opportunity of a good day. Um, it doesn't mean that it's going to resonate or that it's going to happen, but like starting the day out with 
um, with that opportunity, I guess, or that mindset, um, not to, not to go too bleak with this, but, but at the end of the day, if we, if we really want to put consideration in like, we do not have to be here. There, there are means that each individual does not have to be in this life. And so each day thinking about if I, I've decided to stay in this life, I've decided to participate in this because I haven't removed myself from that. So if you approach, at least that, that kind of helps me that if I'm approaching today as a choice that I've chose to be here, why am, why am I not going to try to make it a good day? Why am I going to, why am I not going to push to try to be successful in this day? If it, if it ultimately comes down to my choice of being involved in this day, um, that, that approach or that mindset at least helps me a little bit. Um, and then also like I have, I have a great or a couple great outlets in, in spending time with my dogs and having these um, conversations about fitness where we can go in greater depths and, you know, not just, we can talk about fitness, but we can also talk about life and philosophy and thoughts that that helps recharge me um, going, going to work. I really, I work at a university and I really enjoy interacting with college students and having that opportunity of, of such a pivotal stage in somebody's life um, that, that we have that opportunity to create a, a positive influence at a base level of you've come into a gym and you've enjoyed your time here to deeper levels of exposure of um, programs, whether it's working with a trainer, whether it's um, participating in group fitness, whether it's um, getting educated through, through some of the programs and services that we offer to an even deeper level of our employees where you're somebody that like the, the students I work with have that fitness focus, um, whether through their degree or whether through their um, personal interests that have this opportunity to, to be a service to them, to help guide them in their transition out of here. That's one of the great things about the university setting is the, the approach of the mindset should always be that I want to get you to a point where you no longer need us, or you can progress on this, this journey or this path without us. So how can I instill some of, some of these traits and some of these understandings and save this time of, of you just having to go and search out information for yourself, but how can I expedite that process for you and then allow this to continue on, um, hopefully throughout your life. So whether that's setting up uh, just fitness habits and setting up fitness routines to, to full-blown becoming a coach, becoming a trainer, going into physical therapy, going into education, going into chiropractic, whatever medium it is, but, but being at a pivotal stage and helping help provide guidance and, um, and some previous experience. And then also some understanding that I went through this process that I've been where you've been and like able to have those conversations of understanding of, of understanding and guidance. And then moving past that, um, the gym is a huge outlet for me. There's a reason that I, uh, go five to six days a week. And it's, it's not just for training. It's because 
I recognize that it has a positive influence on my mental state, my mental health. And, and um, kind of another saying I have, um, exhaust the body to settle the mind, that it, it provides that, that outlet for me that I can kind of switch my brain off. I can go tunnel vision and I can just focus on my time in the gym and I can kind of let everything else fall by the wayside. I have, I can be selfish in that time to be directly focused on the task at hand and completing a task. Um, that's kind of like my make the bed check box for the day that I have that. And then also just the um, gym community that I'm in is I think the gym that I go to is very, very uh, unique in the in the dynamic and the community that it's been able to build. And it's it's a great experience going in to a private gym setting that it's the same people every time and you're able to you're able to have those deeper relationships and deeper conversations where it's not not going into a, a commercial gym where hey, it's the same person that shows up at the same time. And like, we might wave or like give a head nod that, that I'm spending hours of my day or of my weeks talking in depth to these person about, about their life, about how things are going, you know, about their successes, about their failures, about um, learning about them as a person. And, and getting getting that social interaction through a shared interest of fitness that it starts with fitness but the community the conversation never stays about fitness it more so always translates into you as a person or life or philosophies or you know these these greater concepts of understanding that I think as human beings we we need at a core level and that we search out this kind of makes it hard now because my next question was like, and everyone in Prescript or like Prescript Labs would hate me if I didn't ask this question, but now it seems silly compared to everything that you've said. <laughs> Damn it. Why is there with this long? Is I know everyone wants to know how you got those biceps. How I got those biceps. Um, <laughs> well, honestly, like it's, it's so, it's, it's funny that this has kind of been a running joke of the conversation because I hardly ever do biceps like isolation. Um, it, it might be once a week that I'm doing some type of curl and like there was, so a younger me, there was a long time where I absolutely refused to train biceps because again, I came, I came from a different introduction to the fitness space that it was so tunnel visioned of performance for athletics that like I never caught the trend of of bodybuilder.com workouts or like muscle part isolation like it it was I was never introduced to that until I got out of sports and so in comparison like for me um, it kind of seemed pointless because it's like, what, like, what did these, how do these aesthetics translate to like a performance-based goal or like your ability to, to be stronger or anything like that? So, so like a younger me 
actually went a long time without ever training biceps in isolation at least. Um, so the, the short answer is um, training multi-joint uh, compound movements through um, heavier means of application. Mm -hmm. That's a great answer. I love that. We finally know the secret. What's your gym? What's your guilty pleasure at the gym? You know, we all have that exercise where. Hip her place. No, okay. <laughs> um, that's. It's a good question. Um, I feel like almost every single training block, it it gets challenged in, um, and changes a little bit. But, um, currently, where it's been is um. Probably probably deadlifts um, as my current favorite and um, part of it is like in in the longevity of my time training those are a newer exercise um, newer in the sense of been doing it for some years but um, but kind of standard to uh, traditional like junior high and high school programs being led through American football means that um, deadlift is never a focus. Like in exchange for that, it's uh, hang cleans or power cleans. And so like in that timeline of athletic endeavors, um, the introduction of deadlift was never there. So again, it's newer in that sense that it's been added to, um, but by no means is it a newer exercise. Uh, so currently it's probably, probably deadlifts. Um, strangely enough, uh, squats have started to climb the ladder, but mostly I think that's because I am, it's my worst lift and it is just a hate fueled relationship that like it's, it's always trying to trying to beat the bar, but also knowing that like you're never gonna win. Like there there is no there is no win to this because all that's gonna happen is more load's gonna like the better you get, the more load that's gonna be added, the harder it gets. And it's just a never-ending pursuit. And what's the stupidest exercise you've ever seen someone do at the gym? Ooh, um maybe not the stupidest exercise, but maybe the stupidest approach to something um, would be, um, so like there, there was an incident a while ago that I was around for that um, somebody, somebody came in the gym to train. Um, and I think they, they're, um, sport was strongman. And so like strongman is a very dynamic sport and it does call upon a lot of different movement patterns. Um, but for whatever reason that day, um, he, I don't know if it definitely wasn't a program day. I think he just decided to go off script. Um, and so he decided he was going to, I think he did three maxes in a row that day of non-strongman events in like much more of a like um 
like powerlifting, uh, a little bit of powerlifting, a little bit of just doing maxes to do maxes. I think went from like a hang clean max to a overhead press max and then into a bench max and hadn't hadn't benched in eight months or more and so decided to max and on um on his last set of his max um I think he he set his max by five pounds and then for whatever reason decided to take a 15 or 20 pound jump and tore his pec and so, so less so like just the, an exercise right now that sticks out to me and more so an approach is just like, like going off script for no reason. And especially going off script to the most intense means that you can. I think that that results in a lot of, a lot of stupidity. Mm -hmm. um, I know that that's probably not a great answer to it. Uh, it's just, that's, that's the first thing that came to my mind. That's fair. I mean, it's uh, people can learn. Well, whoever's listening to this can learn not to jump into all those maxes. Yeah, I thought uh, you would say like bicep curls on a Bosu ball or something. I mean, well, like there's a lot of dumb <laughs> exercises that I disagree with. Um, in part, I think it's people not not understanding the lens or the context of, at which it should be applied and then kind of to where like you see something on the internet so oh that'd be good for me to do whereas it's a better conversation about is this person doing that because they built up the prerequisites to express that ability instead of oh, by doing this, that will give me the ability. Um, I mean, it, it's kind of twofold of um, like conversation around hip airplanes. Uh, the reason I still do some posts on them because it creates that conversation, um, but like doing them, that the hip airplane isn't giving me mobility and stability. The hip airplane is the utmost expression of my ability from the prerequisites of uh, mobility and stability that I've created. And so it's just that expression of ability where um, a lot of those conversations come up, I should be doing this because it will help my mobility or my hip stability when really it's, there's 20 things you can do before ever having to get to a hip airplane that if you need more hip mobility or more hip stability that we can get those means without having to advance to this far expression that doesn't translate back to a benefit because um, because you've already created your need of it through lesser means. Like things don't always have to be exp expressed or progressed to the greatest extreme just because. And so I like having that conversation in thought that it's not this one thing doesn't fix all it's it's the like to take Killian's term the runways of progression up to that 
that we find our point on that progression that that's good enough to apply back to whatever whatever our pursuit is or whatever our focus is um, in just defining that term of like what's good enough so we can get back to what we're trying to do or what our what our pursuit is or what our performance-based goal is because that should be the dictator it's not I need to get all the way to the extreme of whatever this medium is and lose time and transferability back to my main goal. Um, the other, like another tool or implement I would throw out there would be like the, the mace um, or like the mace bell, or if it's through on it, like still mace, whatever you want to, whatever you're most familiar with. But I've seen a ton of people destroy their shoulders in the pursuit of trying to do a 360 swing and and like there it's the conversation around do you need to do a mace 360 swing all of us have gone long times in our careers without ever doing it um if you ever even have and have been just fine so it's it's less so that this needs to be implemented in like this needs to be a staple of a program and more so just if you have the prerequisites to best express this and this can be a an advanced expression of your ability okay we can take it there in your interest there but we still have tie um tie back to whatever our goals are um you know i just bring up that one because i've recently had the conversation but it's it's unique in in people's pursuit of it because they look at it and kind of by the same means they're like that this will give me good shoulder mobility or scapular uh or shoulder mobility or like scapular stability when really it's probably going to destroy your shoulder if you try to jump into that and also most people look at the weights of 15 pounds or 20 pounds and they're like ah, oh, that's nothing but if you've ever tried to swing a 25 pound uh mace over your head it it is uh it is not easy it, <laughs> there's there's a lot of skill that goes into that and so even even something like that of like trying to jump into something so fast without without understanding the context that needs to be set going into it so any anytime somebody asks me about um like training with the mace i just point over to kettlebell halos why why do you need to do this long lever whenever here's another implement that you can introduce to try to get the same advantage and the same mechanics of it without now having to go out and purchase this additional item or like trying to force this long lever and something that takes um, so much skill to technically perform it. Let's cut down on that time because you're not trying to get better at this. You just your understanding of this implement is that it helps with these things, whereas like it could be better suited as, as this is just an advanced expression. So long answer for a very, very short question. So I apologize for that. Oh, the more the better. Mm -hmm. Mahi, you've been awfully quiet. Go I'm for just, it. I'm just taking everything in. Like uh, I'm just enjoying all the answers to be honest. Now you put me on the spot. My last stupid question was the Weissup question. <laughs> so now I'm drawing blank. One last point that I would 
want you to cover in general. Like, I mean, we covered so much. Like, I'm, I, I need to listen to this myself and like just go through it and like, digest it over and over again because I love it so much. Hey, I'll just um, put this out there. If we need to do a, a part two, just let me know. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we'd love that. Because, like, maybe in maybe in yeah. one of the labs, we just we just run a podcast there. <laughs> yeah, just turn the podcast into the, uh, the lab into a podcast. Damn it, that, that made me forget what I was going to ask now. Maybe so, leave yeah. it for part two then. Yeah, I'll leave it for part two. I was going to ask like something about training, but I forgot now. Damn it. Anyway, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely have a part two because like I feel like everything that you said, I want to like just open it up and like go through it again and again. I like just dig deeper and deeper into James Sayer's uh, way of thinking, which is amazing. Uh, but yeah, with that, we can bring it to an end. I um, normally at this time we do a fake sponsor because we don't have any sponsors. So we normally I come up with a fake sponsor segment and I'm, I kind of feel like uh, I'm on the spot for this right now. Uh, <laughs> and it, it's because you said the, do something about biceps. No, it's because you talked about your dog. So my fake sponsors was going to be like a dog toy. But now I feel bad about just like <laughs> bringing it. But I thought like basically our fake sponsor for today today is is a uh, dog. I forgot what they call the the chewing things that they have like the, the chewing ball chew toy. The chew toys. Oh yeah, uh, a speaking chew toy for your dog, right? Where you can record your voice. So this is again fake, but I'm just putting it out there. It might be a, someone picks it up. But I was thinking of a chew toy that actually has your voice recorded into it so when the dog is playing with it they can still hear you like you know just be like good boy or take like you know just words of affirmation so the dogs feel uh kind of supported and happy so and we're gonna call that i don't know chew the, your happy own, chew. the happy oh my god thank you the happy chew so yeah happychew.com doesn't exist but hopefully one day it will um I really need to stop doing this segment of making up for yeah. responses. I think we do. Like, it just that gets sounds worse like a Pokemon. Worse. Yeah, it just gets Happy worse Chew. and worse. Happy Chew, yeah. But uh, I think that's enough of me talking. Uh, James, thank any plugins? Thank you. Or, yeah, thank you so much for everything, but also any plugins. Where can people find you? We will put it in our description and everything else, but uh, just give yourself a shout out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so if anybody wants to um, reach out, have conversations, uh, more than happy to uh, um, reach out to um, my Instagram. Uh, it's at there2513, just my last name, 2513. Um, I have a website, uh, www.byproductperformance.com, where I do one-on-one -on -one training and um, individual consultations. So for trainers that are kind of looking, um, looking for a sounding board or looking for um, direction in the approach of either a career or programming or just educational purposes, um, there's kind of two outlets that you can always go to. Um, but by all means, if you have direct questions or um just want to start a conversation, please reach out on Instagram. That's probably where I respond best. Um, can always email me if you're more comfortable with that at byproductperformance at gmail.com. Um, and the last tidbit, if you're listening to this podcast and 
you're now very, very interested in my dogs. Um, if you type in, you can go to my Instagram and see some pictures there, but if you type in hashtag blue suited gentleman, um, you can probably find a lot of uh, pictures of them. I'm going there right now. <laughs> I need to see that. But yeah. All right. Thank well, you so um, much. Yeah. Thank, thank you, you so much for all that. Yeah. Thank you guys very much for having me on. Um, it was an absolute pleasure to come on. Uh, was very, very much looking forward to the conversation and I'm um, excited about a part two at some point. Yeah, definitely. We need to do that. Uh, with that, that's the end of Measuring in the Minus podcast. Thank you all for listening. As usual, do tell your friends, family, grandchildren, grandparents, and everyone else that you know, just shouting in the streets to listen to our podcast. Thank you so much.